So this is, uh, interestingly enough, the ninth session that we've had talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, that kind of snuck up on me, but I'm excited about it. <clears throat> Tonight is the Holy Spirit, the God of love, in and with you. And, and then I realized that is grammatically incorrect, but I realized it too late to change it. It should be you and me. How embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm so excited about the reality behind this message that I'm, I don't have room to be embarrassed about it. So just overlook that. Well, it's going to be hard because it's like four slides with it on it. So <clears throat> that word, another, normally I don't teach off the introductory slide, but I, there's a couple points I want to make off this. So uh, let's, get, let's get started. And then be ready to do the questions, contribute, whatever, because I think tonight can be fairly interactive. That word another is the word alos. There are two words in the New Testament that are used frequently for uh, to say another or something like that. And Jessica, I'm sorry, our plans for the little ones got undone because the planned person's sick. So if uh, he's more than welcome right there or here, or however it's going to work out. Okay. And there's yeah anything out of the out of the room too if you want to grab it. Um, this word is alos. Alos. Uh, I'll show you the difference. This was the best thing I could show. This is out of Vine's Expository Dictionary. So uh, alos and heteros are the two words that are used from Greek to speak of uh, other. So uh, they have different meanings. And unfortunately, they aren't always translated to reveal it. So I loved what uh, author Vines did here. Uh, so I'll just read this to you. Um, Alos expresses a numerical difference and denotes another of the same sort. You can see that right there. Fancy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I really went all out on the PowerPoint tonight. Heteros expresses a qualitative difference and denotes another of a different sort. So that's why... Heteros creates the prefix like heterosexual. Uh, heterosexual means there are different sexes involved in that relationship. Alos is something new, but it's not new in kind. It's just other. It's in a sequence thing. And then you can see here that in his uh, commentary, he even used the passage that I have up here that another comforter, Christ promised another comforter, that is alos, another one like himself, not heteros. And then there's a couple other examples. So uh, as you go on down here, Paul says, I see a different law. That's heteros. In other words, the, the law of the flesh is not the same thing as the law. So it's, a, it's, an, it's, it's, it's another, but it's not the same. And then the last one, so that's in Romans. And then the next last one is after Joseph's death, and this is a quote from the New Testament talking about the, the stuff in the old. After Joseph's death, another king arose, and that word is heteros, meaning that he was a very different king. He didn't have the same disposition toward the, the Jews. Does that make sense? So the, the difference in these words is, is important. And then the last one is where Paul speaks there in Galatians 1, 6, and 7. Paul speaks of a different gospel, a heteros gospel, you know, not the same as the one. And both words are used in there. Because the, the quote is something like a different gospel, which is not really another. And so it's a different 
in essence, gospel, not uh, a similar one, just with a tweak on it. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I had a good example somebody gave me on those very words, and it just, it's, it's less technical, and it's just, if you wanted, if you were writing with a pencil, and it broke, and you wanted another pencil, you would want an Allos mm-hmm. pencil. If you didn't like pencils and wanted something else, you'd want a heteros, a pen. You yeah, that's right. You'd... Something. I don't want that thing. I want a different thing. Right, so right. That's kind or of... another illustration that I find useful because I'm a guy and I used to I work in body shop is if your car gets totaled, God forbid, and they give you another car, an Allos would be the same model and condition of the one that got totaled. A, a hetero might be any old car. And that would that would change the, the complexion, hmm? or it could even be yeah yeah. So it's not that one word's better than the other. They just really do speak of different issues. All right. So that's uh, that. Now, here's another thing. I actually was overwhelmed at the beginning of the revelation about this next point personally, uh, and I, I'm not really qualified to speak with a tremendous amount of authority on it. But I want to sow the idea so that you can be praying and thinking about it. The first part of this reads this way. And this is about the, the Spirit, right? I will ask, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. Now, if you are in the habit of reading um, English Standard Version, which is, uh, I think I give you a copy of that. If you are in the habit of reading... Um, Holman Christian Bible, they interpret that at, and they'll translate it this way. He will give you another comforter to be with you forever. However, NAS is trying to be a little more accurate with the words, but there's another complication, Dan, that, that will register with you. In the, in the Nestle text, the word is me, meaning it's the am word. You know, the part of ego and me, which is I am, the thing. So uh, that's the be there. But anyway, I'd ask you the question, because I've assumed all my life that, that the way that read was, he'll give you another helper, that's the spirit of truth, so that the spirit of truth will be with you forever. But since we've been studying perichoresis, it is very possible that the most native rendering of this verse is, I will ask the Father, and He, that He refers back to the Father, will give you another comforter that He, still referring back to the Father, may be with you forever. Now, I'm not enough of a Greek scholar to point that out, but I am enough of a hound dog to figure out if that is a legitimate way to render that, and if that's what was meant when Jesus was speaking. So was Jesus referring to his... And now the point changes, and it says, so that is, this helper is the spirit of truth. So now Jesus has intentionally referred to the helper, right? There's no question about that. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And that's future tense because it's speaking that way. That he may be with you forever, I think it refers to the Father. And then, so then thinking about the Trinity and thinking about the interrelationship and, and the, the way that the Trinity manifests 
through the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you think in that terms, then verse 18, which is the very next verse, is really, really important because he says, okay, so that's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, Jesus speaking, because it does not, uh, it, the world, does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You see what I'm seeing? The Father promised to send the spirit of truth so that he, the Father, could be in us. Or even, it, it would be better translated, if I understand the, the significance of M.E., and those two different uh, Greek manuscripts, one of them uses menos, and one of them uses M.E. And I don't know how to distinguish which one's more uh, accurate. Anyway, because I'm just not that smart. But you see the whole trinity working to create a presence. And I thought back to what we've been talking about over and over and over again. When the Holy Spirit works, He works to create union with God. Whether it's creation, the tabernacle. the, the So, Jesus says, the Spirit of truth is going to come and be with you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. That's cool, isn't it? And so if the first part has that same sequence, the fa- I'm going to ask the Father... And the Father is going to send you another helper so that the Father can be with you. And of course, that's what Jesus goes on to say, right? He says that, that uh, the Father and I are going to take up our abode in you in John 15. And I and the Father are one and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I got so excited about that. I just don't know how, I don't know how to prove it. But I give you permission to get excited, even with only a tiny inkling of that, because there's so much else that it speaks about. The Holy Spirit, from the beginning promise, has been so that God could be one with us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Yes, Janet. So is the another, the allos? Allos. Okay. Another of the same kind. Okay. Yeah, that's specifically that word. Because it sounds like it's Yeah, but another of the same kind. Yes, Ronnie. It seems like the big emphasis right now is the word he at the end of the very first sentence. Okay. Right? Isn't that what you're focusing on? Is that... Probably means father. That he may be with you forever. That's one thing I'm focusing on. Okay. Um, I see it potentially um, as we. It could be. The he is we. So he'll give you another helper that we may be with you forever. It could be. And I don't know enough about Greek grammar to know how to get down here. A lot of times. Nothing to do with Greek. I'm just. I know. But a lot of times those pronouns mean he, she, it, or whatever. So, Dan, if you have any revelation out of that. Yeah, me too. Me too. So yeah, I'm a user-abuser of Greek only. All right. Well, anyway, I actually, I actually sprang into tears when I realized the potential of, of the simplicity of this speaking, that Jesus was so incredibly honest and speaking heavenly truths. Just like when he said to Nicodemus, if, if you being a learned man in Israel can't hear me when I tell you natural things. How can you understand heavenly? But I think explaining this to his disciples, and keep in mind the context of this explanation is in less than 24 hours, he's going to be arrested, taken away. They're going to be scattered. He's going to be killed. They're going to not know what the heck is going on. And he knew it. And this is one of those things that 
if when we get up in, in John 16, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit is going to bring all this to mind and everything the Father's given me. But there's enough evidence in the subsequent verses, if you read in 15 and in the beginning of 16, that the Father and I are going to make our abode in you. That's what Jesus said. That's exactly what this means. I think that's what Jesus was saying in very simple terms to that innocent and kind of ignorant question that Philip asked. Show us the Father and that would be enough. <laughs> you don't know what you're asking, my friend. You just wait. You just wait. Anyway, that was awesome. Okay, so now, uh, if you got your Bible with you, I know you're used to reading it, but we're going to start reading in the love chapter. So I, I expect to hear your pages turn, your phone open up, whatever. All right. And really, we're just going to cover some Scripture tonight very simply. So it's going to be good. All right. You guys ready? Got her up? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Are you with me? Oh. The other love chapter, okay. <laughs> okay, there's a reason for this. I just didn't want, I was not trying to be funny. Cute, but not funny. Cute is even a bigger stretch. This is 1 John chapter 4. You don't need your Bibles open if you don't. I've got it on screen. All right. But I do, I do assert that this is the love chapter. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now there's some parts I want to emphasize. Love is from God. Everyone who, is, who loves is born of God and knows God. In a world, in a Christian world, where we are grossly insecure about our standing before God, there's a lot to learn out of John chapter 4. And I wish... I wish that we place more of an emphasis on it in the church. I wish we did. The one who does not love does not know God for the simple reason that God is love. Would you say that with me? God is love. Now you guys know that, that I have that teaching and I stand by it completely. That there's four things in the New Testament, four times that a noun follows the phrase God is. Five really, but one of them's same thing twice. Uh, God is, yeah. God is spirit in John chapter 4. God is a consuming fire, and fire is the noun. Consuming modifies fire. So God is fire in Hebrews uh, 13, I think. And uh, at the beginning of First John, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And then in this chapter, God is love. Those are literally the only four times a noun follows God is in the New Testament. 
And personally, I think that we should give more credit to that when we're trying to understand who God is. I just was reviewing one of the teachings that I'm trying to get on video. And uh, the difference between trying to understand who God is by being omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnibenevolent, transcendent, and immutable, or God is light, God is spirit, God is fire, and God is love. It's enormous. So we're going to try to make that happen. But God is love. It's a big deal. By this, the love of God was manifest to us. And then down here where it says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is that hilasmos word, hilasterian word. It's the one that refers back, if you take Hebrew roots to that word through the Septuagint, it refers to the mercy seat. If you go back with only a Greek thought, it refers to a king that is besieging a city and you're offering um, virgins and gold and other things. Get him. I happen to go with the Hebrew thought in Paul's mind that it's the mercy seat. It's the place where God and man meet for the atonement of the sins. And, and the atoning concept is in there. Then the other part down here, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So just like the Trinity plays a part, the perichoretic relationship plays a part in that introductory verse, it plays a part here. Look at this. He has sent his son. God has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. By this we know that we abide in him because he has given us of his spirit. Fundamental creed of Christianity, uh, um, Nicene Creed and uh, one that followed that, speaks about this coming from the Father. There's something going on in the hierarchy of, of love and honor, not an order in, in the way we would normally think of it as a business order or something, but where the Father sent the Son. For God so loved the world, he gave his one begotten Son. The Father sent the Spirit. Jesus sent the Spirit. You know, we've talked about this in those things. So this is what talks about that. Then it goes on, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. Say that with me one more time. God is love. Thank you. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So see this reciprocal thing? And do you see how this reflects back on what Jesus specifically said just after the verses we first looked at in John 14, 20? In that day you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in So there's a real relationship going on here, and I want us to understand that, and I want us to understand that it's based on love, so that we understand why we can have a high level of expectation for the gifts to be operating in our life. It's not as a matter of an earned spirituality. It is because God is and wants to be one with you and me. Or you and I, if I misspell that. All right. By this love is perfected within us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Again, I would trade a deep understanding of verse 17 for every eschatological teaching in the last hundred years. About blood moons, about the German tank being the sign of this, about all that stuff. And I'm not trying to be too mean, okay? I'm really not. But come on. If you spent your time focusing on the fact love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, you're not going to care whether it was Boutros, Boutros, Gali that's going to be the Antichrist, or uh, Soros, whatever his name is, or probably Elon Musk. I think he's getting enough press time that somebody will tag him next. 
Klaus Schwab, yeah. But if you have love that, if you have love that overcomes punishment, fear of punishment. Anyway, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Have any of you ever had a season in your life where that was your verse? Where your whole confidence swelled up out of as Jesus is, so am I in this world. And if you haven't, I apologize as your pastor for a season because we should. We should. Dan and I were going back and forth last week a little bit about whether we can believe, or week for last, whether we can believe literally that a person can't say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not near as hard to believe as this. <laughs> Come on. This is being spoken by way of revelation. Anyway, this is incredible. And this is why I think this is the love chapter. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Now there's a simple standard that you can kind of measure your behavior by. And you don't want to take it too far. You just want to go, oh, I'm probably not telling the truth. <laughs> okay? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have of him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Here's the highlighted points there. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and him and God. I thought back to that, that thing that you can't say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Do you think the Holy Spirit is playing a role in your mind, soul, heart, mouth when you confess Jesus as Lord? Of course he is. Absolutely. It is the number one manifestation of his presence. And we never even look for that or think for it. The assurance then is that God abides in him and he in God. How do you know you're good? Right there. Then God is love. And then this idea, and I already talked about it a little bit so we can keep going, uh, that we can have confidence in the day of judgment. All right, say that. Now, is that cool? I even got that one to animate. That's amazing. Oh, it's not too distracting. You guys will be thinking about that all night when we get to the next point. It's a really big one. All right, so say it with and practice. God is love. Okay. Excellent. One more time. We even had an echo there. That's it. Perfect. God is love. All right, so just I'm not trying to be uh, preachy or anything. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's true? Can you believe that that is true? Okay. Yeah, 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 it is, it is. And love is something that's been so abused. I mean, everything from, you know, uh, horrible parenting to I love tacos and things that happen in the backseat of old cars when they had backseats with room. Okay, now we'll go to the other love chapter. First Corinthians. Now I'm going to start, I'm going to start in First Corinthians 12 because there, this is an unfortunate place for there to be a chapter break. But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. 
Now, again, I do appreciate that more often than not, the New American Standard tries to use tense and stuff like that well. And so this translate, I want you to notice, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so it's from mountains, but do not have love, love is not just something you do. Love is something you have. That's why we started in First John. We love because he first loved us. His act of loving us gives us love. It enables us to love. The other thing in First John, we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. That's probably the formula that leads to having love, is to know it and believe it. That's the context I want us to begin to understand when we're talking about the Spirit. That's what Holy Spirit is doing. Is he is, matter of fact, there's a place in Scripture where it says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit, right? So that's what it's about. Okay, uh, that first part, earnestly desire grapes, I'll show you a still more excellent way. The word picture in that in the Greek is so beautiful to me. I think it's... Uh, Hooper Ballo or something like that. But it basically means that you've watched a lot of things, and it's like compared to an athletic competition, think like throwing a javelin or something. I'm going to show you something that's not just going to beat the last javelin throw by a couple inches. It is going to be of an entirely different order of excellence. So if the longest javelin throw was 80 meters, this Hooper Bala, more excellent way, is going to be 180 meters. It's going to be just completely of a different run. You're going to go, huh! that's what love is in comparison to the gifts. Not to take away from the gifts, and this is something that, that we have such a, we live in such a dualistic, zero-sum world that we think that love has got to compete with that stuff. No. Love is the reason they're here. Love is why they're here. Love is what they promote and how they promote it. And why we can unashamedly go for the full expression of those gifts of healing and interpretation and prophecy and everything. We're not being competitive, remember? 11 was all about no division. 12 was all about no division. Love is why there's no division. Love is the way there's no division. Here's the, here's the list. Love is patient. Love is kind. And it's not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. I want to reflect back on John for a second. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. This is what we learned out of 1 John 4. And he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And then I want you to think back to the possibility of what I suggested in the grammar that I'm going to ask the Father... He is going to send you another comforter so that he, the Father, can be with you forever. 
That that He's going to send is the Spirit of truth. And then the world can't know Him, but you know Him because He's going to be in you and with you. Oh yeah, I won't leave you. I will come to you. That's this perichoretic, Godhead, Trinitarian reality. So whatever, whatever you know, back and forth debating we might legitimately be doing about, it, I think that that um, it's a settled issue for me that the Holy Spirit is God sent, just like Jesus was sent, so that God could be with us. And when Jesus said, "When you see me, you've seen the Father." When you and I are touched by the Holy Spirit, we're being touched by the Father. We're being touched by the Son. When we're interacting, we're being touched by the Father. We're being touched by the Son. When we're being empowered, we're being empowered. When we're being loved, when we're loving someone else through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So now uh, I've got some things I want to emphasize. We're going to exegete this together. So are you ready to read? So I'll read the white part. And if you're willing, okay, because I'm taking some liberties here that would get me in trouble in a normal place, adding to Scripture or whatever. So you follow, you read the yellow. Love is patient. Okay, that's like a golf clap. This is like the biggest truth in the universe. So let's hear some zeal out of it. Of course, I know you're still thinking, boy, is this legitimate? Are we going to get in trouble? Are we going to be cursed for adding to the scripture. All right, let's try it again. And then I'll uh, do an absolution prayer over all of you at the end. Love is patient. God is love. Love is kind and is not jealous. God is love. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. God is love. Jesus. Does not act unbecomingly. Holy Spirit. It does not seek its own. Now, i got to stop there for a second. The reason that I put the asterisk by it's is that word is actually feminine. I haven't gone there yet in the series, and I probably won't until two weeks from today. But I, it warmed my heart. That, that word clearly is feminine. Okay, so anyway, never mind. Father God is not provoked. Messiah does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with Jesus. The truth. All right, let me stop there. The judge of all the earth. You guys know where that's from? No, it's from Genesis, I think 18, where uh, Abraham is talking with the appearance of, of uh, the Lord, the uh, Lord of the angel. And uh, he's saying, will not the judge of all the earth reckon people justice? And right after that, the conversation is, if you can find 50 people in Sodom who are righteous, I'll spare the whole city. And that eventually, you know, got down to what? Like five or something? Ten? Five? Ten? So, the introduction of the phrase, the judge of all the earth, was in that negotiation. That changes the complexion of this a little bit, and that's why I felt the liberty to say the judge of all the earth does not rejoice with unrighteousness, but rejoices with Jesus, the truth. That's the revelation of love here. Okay? Your Father in heaven? Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. That's Romans 14, I think. Endures all things. You see what I'm saying? Have any of you ever 
read 1 Corinthians 13 with an emphasis like this on God. And I know one person has, so we talked about it at breakfast one time. Oh, that's true. When you were uh huh, yeah, yeah. Do you think this is legitimate? I think you can't understand. You can't make a connection between the overt assertion when Jesus or when John was trying to say this stuff. How important love is, because God loved first up, loved us. We love Him. We've come to know and believe the love of God because God is love. We're not afraid of punishment because God is love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. You know, all this stuff. This is, this is the thrust. Now, we love because he first loved us. That means I can love you because God loved me. And John is real straightforward. If I say I love God and I don't love you, I'm lying. So it's not a hard thing to measure. It's not a hard thing to see. The mission is for us to love the people around us. Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. The Spirit is the one who is helping us say, confess, Jesus is Lord. Yes, Dan. Yes. So, I had to check. Okay. First uh, John 4 says, you know, the last verse that you read, I think was at 18. Mm -hmm. It says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Okay, so John, the book of John is also the only one that has Jesus' last words, which is, it is finished. Yeah. It's the same word. To tell us, I, is the same word. So is that it's, it? It's actually the same word. Oh my, oh so my. So when Jesus says, it is finished, now here it says, if you don't love... Um, if fear has, there is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The man who fears is not made perfect. He's in not telesign in love. Yeah. So you haven't finished. Or That's the journey. That's the journey that we're on. That's why the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit didn't come to, to, to obligate us to love as a law. He came to obligate us to love, to enable us to love, to empower us to love because God is love. He's creating oneness between you and I, and He's creating oneness between the Father and us. That's it. That's where it goes. Next week we're going to look at. Um, next week we're going to be able to look at um, chapter fourteen. And chapter fourteen is the the first place we always look when I was back in Bible college assemblies. How's this? How's God supposed to look? How's this Pentecostal experience supposed to play out in the church? Well, chapter fourteen talks about that. You know, earnestly desire the greater gifts, uh, especially that you can prophesy all this kind of stuff. I'm not afraid of looking at that. I want to look at that. I want to dig into that big time. But, but this is the way to that. This is the way through that. This is the path, the road. That's what it means. I'm going to show you a more excellent, superbala way, a path that you won't believe how effective it is, how powerful it is. Love never fails. <laughs> There's a simple statement. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. It's like one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, especially when I'm talking to other pastor friends. How do you, how comfortable are you with the part you don't know? 
<laughs> I love it. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. We'll talk about that in a minute. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. This verse sounds like uh, it's kind of disparaging to my whole thought on childness. The word for child here is nepios. Nepios is a child that can't speak intelligibly. It's that young, so you can't speak. Um, that's what Paul's talking about, and he'll get into that in 14. Uh, I don't think it is devaluing being a child and trying to ignore what Jesus said in Matthew 18 about turning becoming like a little child. That's called technon, anyway, I think. So, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we see in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also fully been known. But now, faith, hope, love, abide, these three, but the greater of these, the greatest of these is love. So here's how I would help exegete that verse. Love never fails! All right, we'll get to the rest of it in a little bit. I had a, a very dear friend who loves God as much as anyone I know on the face of the planet and is as devoted to God as anybody I know on the face of the planet. And when we got talking a little bit, and this nudged him a little bit too close for comfort for the fact that God's going to figure out how to love people in spite of themselves, redeem them in spite of themselves. I said, well, how do you, what do you think that means? He said, it means never quit. I said, Okay. I don't think it means never quit. I think it means what it says. But because uh, quitting certainly leads to failure, but failure isn't the synonymous with quitting. Yes, Ronnie? There's a song I used to like. It's Amor Conquista Todo, which means love never fails. fails. Amor is the love part. Love. Uh-huh. Todo is everything. Everything. Conquista is interesting because that's kind of like a conquer. Yeah, so love conquers all. Over it's all. in Spanish, I think that would that would be translated love conquers all. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, that's one thing that's interesting. Once you know who God is, you know He's ready for battle, right? Uh, the Old Testament, the only thing in the Old Testament that's kind of close to that God is noun thing is God is a man of war. God is a man of war. So anyway, praise God. I just really think that the emphasis of this needs to be. Bigger than it is in church. Bigger than it is in our theology and bigger than it is in our hope. Love never fails and God is love. So you tell me, you describe to me the scenario where God fails. I mean, even talking about it in those terms is weird. So then when people bring up, yeah, but what about somebody who's really choosing their sovereign, all this kind of stuff? Yeah, I know. Those are all real issues. I'm not trying to blow them you know, away or sweep them under the rug. But what I'm saying is, where do we put our confidence? What is the Holy Spirit here to do? He's to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. Well, he's succeeded with you and I, right? We believe in Jesus. He's succeeded with some of our neighbors. Has, has, and does anybody know anybody that now believes in Jesus that you used to know and you thought, there's no way that person will ever come. No, I'm serious. I mean, does anybody have a testimony that? I do. I know some people. I had a guy who threatened me one time for putting his name on the prayer wall in my body shop. Right? This big old burly guy. And, you know, 
I don't want my fucking name on your wall. You pray about it. I, go, well, I don't care. It's not your wall. <laughs> it's my name. I go, well, that's your problem, not mine. Anyway, his mom got really, really sick. And he came over. And we prayed. And uh, I think through that bout, she did recover. And he had a change of heart about Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit does stuff. That's what stuff's for. That's what... That's what the gifts are for. That's what the presence is for. It's what the scriptures are for. Hey, buddy. So if we could just emphasize that, love never fails, and keep, in, keep it connected, not in some abstract theological way or in a doctrinal way, keep it connected with the fact that God is love. And this brings in to me, personally, that God is also fire. So one way God keeps from failing if you have some combustible, corruptible stuff stuck to you, is he's fire. Or if you're wandering around and you just absolutely can't see the truth, well, he's light. And if you're hiding everything on the inside and you got the happy face on the outside, he's spirit. Remember the one that says in Hebrews that we pass before his gaze, the word, that would be Jesus, separating bone from marrow, soul from spirit. You can't hide. God is equipped to not fail. God is equipped to not fail. And I think because of love, he's motivated to not fail. Uh, for we know in part, we prophesy in part. And then I just wanted deliver any of you from any anxiety over this if you've ever been taught this. When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Um, one of the most unfortunate and desperate, I think, um, exegesis of a verse to explain something after the fact is cessationists that believe that the gifts, because obviously uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, that, that's all tough on them. When the perfect comes, they interpret that being the scriptures. I don't think I don't I don't think that's what it means. I think what's being talked about here is love. And what John said is that when love is perfected, so I don't think that means the scripture. I don't think Paul was sitting there thinking. Of course, if you are a cessationist, you don't necessarily have to believe that Paul was thinking. You could just think the Holy Spirit was dictating. But nevertheless. If you've ever thought that, try not thinking it. <laughs> Just try not thinking it, because it will be less confusing. And then, uh, for now, we see in a mirror dimly. And look at this. Listen to this. This is all I want to point out. But then face to face. Not, not this contrast, but now we see in a dirty mirror but then it'll be like the mirror is super clean. No. Now we see in a dirty mirror, but then we won't need a mirror because we're going to be able to look straight into the face of Jesus and see ourselves reflected back. Relationship. It's relational. It's not positional. And then, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. And I happen to, when I think of that, I think you're already fully known. You just don't know. This is going to be leading us in that direction. 
But now faith, hope, and love abide these things, but the greatest of these is love. I want to remind us again, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come. Jits, the Father and the Son live in you by the Spirit. And we have undersold the reality of that in our own theology. I have. And I want us to not do that anymore. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it says, you know, we, you can argue about what perfect comes, but then he answers it in the next page. Yeah. Which is, we'll see face to face. Yeah. So clearly we're not seeing not, Jesus face to face. Yeah. So I don't think the perfect has come. Right, right. Or the completion. And, I, and, and that's not to take away from this, but what this is for is to create that revelation. Absolutely. Yes, Becky. Actually, not sure I agree with my own husband on that. Um, <laughs> well, it, you because, know, do speak out this week because next week we get to that part where it's not proper for women to speak in church. We'll have to deal with oh, that. Oh, we're going to be gone, so sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep this love never fails. The perfect is love, right? Mm -hmm. In the context of this. So, verse 9, for we know in part, so he's been talking about all the gifts and what the gifts bring. Mm -hmm. Those who bring a partial reality. Mm -hmm. We prophesy in part. But when love comes, we have perfect reality. Mm -hmm. So when we're in a situation where I'm loving instead of, or I'm loving fully. Instead of manipulating the situation or trying to be used in the situation or all kinds of ways that we talk yes. about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same thing when um, for this face-to-face -face business. For now we see in a mirror dimly as we're parsing out the gifts or trying to understand things. What's going on? I need a gift to help understand or uh, to impart to somebody mm -hmm. so they can understand. But when I look at them in the face, the perfect comes. Yeah, there's when something I love, that, that's the face-to-face. -face. That's the part that I think maybe a little different. But that it is here. That face-to-face -face with God with others is that perfection. Earlier, early in Second Corinthians, uh, there in three and stuff, it talks about beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You know, when you look at the face, reflecting the face of Jesus. So, yeah, yes, right. You just sort of kind of stole what I was going to talk about, but that's cool. The verse twelve: For now we see in a mirror dimly, but mm -hmm. then face to face. I've never thought of it this way, but when it says we see in a mirror dimly, it could be seeing Jesus in me when I'm looking at myself. Mm -hmm. and then face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think so. We did an exercise like that for a while. We had mirrors on both sides of the sanctuary for just weeks. And the point was to go up every, every we had Sunday services then, go up every Sunday and look at it. Just look at yourself. It was weird how awkward it was, I think, if you remember when you were here. Um, cool. Zoomers, anybody got anything they want to chime in on? Or? Yeah, Doris? Hello. Yeah, um, actually, what I'm going to be referring to is back in the beginning when you were t referring to he being God the Father rather than he being the Spirit. Um, it opened up my mind to cause me to realize something. 
because my original interpretation a couple of weeks ago was that that he referred to Holy Spirit. And so I was thinking, okay, I understand my relationship with Father on the earth and that in heaven it will probably be a magnified continuation. And I recognize that my relationship with Jesus on the earth is interaction with him as my Lord and Savior um, in heaven. Uh, it will be that of a bride. But then I thought, I don't think I have an understanding on how what our relationship is going to be with Holy Spirit in heaven. We know, you know, on the earth, you've already mentioned several things and and I'm you know we all know all the references to him so it just caused me to, to think in that direction I, I don't know what to expect with interaction with Holy Spirit when we're in heaven about that one time uh, I had been studying about um, I've been studying Revelation actually and the Lord helped me understand that, that the, a lot of uh, the context of stuff that happens down here is going to be fulfilled in the marriage feast of the Lamb and I, I, I says, but Lord, I, I see where, you, Father, I see where you are. You're the one throwing the feast. I see where you are, Jesus. You're the groom. But Holy Spirit, I don't see you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm in you trying to make you a suitable bride. And so, you know, he did say the Holy Spirit's going to be in us and with us, with us and in us forever. So that's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. I don't, I don't okay. have the definitive answer for that, Doris, but I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about it as well, but just to make sure I understood what you said, were you, were you um, saying that the Holy Spirit, we recognize he's in us here on earth, but was he telling you that will be continued in heaven then? He'll be in us in heaven? That would be the way that I would... Uh, that would be the way that I would interpret forever. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not a life death situation, but it was just, I, I, it just caused me to realize I'd not given much thought about relationship. Too. And you know, in the areas where I haven't given much thought to things like this, relational things, I have grown to the habit of erring on the side of intimacy, closeness, and continuation. Because I think oh, that's yeah. it. I think I think we're the ones that dissect the frog and don't have a frog left when it's done. I think they're, we're going to have a frog in heaven. If you understand the drift of my meaning. <laughs> Anybody else up there? Thanks, Doris. Yeah, Jen. So I saw this bumper sticker the other day that has really stuck with me and Holy Spirit reminded me again tonight. And it said... Not everyone who's wandering is lost. But the way I read it was not everyone who's wandering is lost. Yeah. And I have just felt this. Um, I just want to encourage that those that are online that might see this another day or anyone in this house that it's okay to wonder. It's, it's, you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to We do afraid. a lot of that no. in this house. And you, 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 we, we wonder and we explore and it's safe 
in Jesus. So I, my um, encouragement to you is ask the Spirit of Truth in your wondering Amen. to reveal that truth. And you will go farther than you've ever thought possible, like many of us have done here, because we've risked exploring and discovering and going to other territory of what's the scripture really say or not say or who's who's God really. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you, it's okay to wonder. And I want to encourage you to ask Spirit of Truth to be in that place with you as you wonder, because he will review the truth because he's good mm-hmm. and he's for you. Yep. Yep. Jesus supported that totally. That song, Wonder, Wonder Who, Who Wrote the Book of Love. <laughs> there you go. Janet? So I find it really fascinating that Paul made a prayer in Ephesians, what, 4? Um, for us to be able to grasp how oh, high and, the depth of, and deep and three, wide and long is the love of God. Yeah. You know, and so we need to be able to grasp that and we'll be grasping it forever. We'll be wondering about the love of God yeah. for eternity, you know, and, and trying to get it. And the appropriateness of that prayer is because it's beyond us. Yes. It's beyond us. That's why he was asking for that help. Oh, beautiful. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Praise God. Anybody else? Well, Father, thank you. And we're looking forward to just worshiping you because you're so incredibly worthy. Lord, there's a few things that I would just ask you to help us take no more seriously than you do, but absolutely as seriously as you do. And that is that you are love, as well as being fire and light and spirit, and that love never fails. Holy Spirit, would you reveal in us and to us the depth and the breadth of that one state and help us to agree with you and be renewed in our mind as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.